0: Coming to you live from Nashville, Tennessee. This is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network.
1: Dog fighting cows in that healer won't listen. Lazy old horse tries to bluff you. He's best Worn out bull. Brush. Cows are trying to string, but everyone's in a rush. And you're cowboying, just cowboys. So you throw at his head. His mama goes for you, dog. You catch her instead. And you're cowboy. Just cowboy. And you're cowboy. Just cowboy today. Didn't tighten up for such sick cat. Instead of losing your mind, you just rear back and laugh. Some days are great, but lots of romance. You wouldn't change a thing even if you had the chance. Cause you're cowboy, just cowboy, you're cowboy. You want to play this game A hundred above And you're praying for rain Swarms of mosquitoes Tough horses in pain You started early
0: I'm your host Gary Holt and joining me in Albuquerque, New Mexico is our co-host Miss Bobby Jean Bell and to kick things off that was our Canadian cowboy friend Mr. Matt Robertson with his song Just Cowboying. How are you doing today, Bobby?
2: Hey Gary, I'm doing great. How about you?
0: Doing well. I'm I'm kind of sick of the rain here in Tennessee. Well,
2: you've had a lot. You've had a we lot have of rain.
0: We've had a lot of rain, and uh, last night, just to the south of me, there were tornadoes and severe thunderstorms, Mm -hmm. but we've had 70-degree temperatures, and now we're going to drop back down to, I think they said snow, maybe on Saturday, so just (laughs) hang on to your hat. It's going to change if you're in Tennessee.
2: Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just been it's just been uh cool, uh cool and blue skies here. We had a little snow, some little snow flurries yesterday. They got more snow in, you know, higher higher elevations. Um but we we just we just have blue sky, you know. It's beautiful, yeah. but we we just have a lot of blue sky here in New Mexico. <laughs>
0: uh, I had some I had some friends uh down in Ruidoso. That had posted some photographs last night, and they had mm. over a foot of snow, and at Ski Apache, yeah. that had a whole lot more than that. But uh,
3: yeah, but they yeah, get that yeah. they
0: get that down at Ruidosa, so that's that's okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That is okay. Mm-hmm. Hey, I want to wish you a happy birthday to my oldest child, my daughter Missy, is having a birthday today, and I won't tell oh, you. I will not tell you which one, because that would age me quite a bit. But, That's uh,
3: right. <laughs> Happy
0: birthday. Happy birthday to my daughter, Missy. Well, we have a fun, fun show today. Tell us who our first guest is.
2: Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited we have Carol Hukan with us on the line, traveling in from Australia.
0: That is going to be a lot of fun, talking with Carol. And then in the second hour of the show today on Saddle Up America, we'll be talking with our good friend, with backcountry horsemen of America, Mr. Jim McGarvey and Daryl Wallace out in Washington State. So it's a lot of lot of great poetry, a lot of great music, a lot of great conversation today on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. But right now, let's take a listen to a great poem by Miss Carol, and it's one called The, the Aussie and the Texans. We'll be right back to talk more with with Carol on the Campfire Cafe.
4: The Aussie and the Texan. A contest of one-upmanship was brewing in the bar. A Texan and an Aussie bloke were in a verbal spa. And everything the Aussie said the Texan had to top. Station size and ranch size wouldn't be where they would stop. My ranch, ten thousand acres. The Texan beamed with smiles. The Aussie grinned laconically. We measure in square miles. Now not to be outboasted, and not to be outdid, the Texan puffed himself up tall and made a final bid. I can saddle up at sunrise and ride all day and night, and still, the furthest boundary fence ain't even come in sight. The Aussie stared him in the eye and scratched his sunburnt head. I used to have a horse like that. I shot the mongrel dead.
2: Welcome back to Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. We just heard the Aussie and the Texan, an original poem written and presented by today's guest, Carol Hukin, from her CD, Both Sides. I got a little personal note here. When I attended the International Western Music Association gathering in November, because I'm a radio host, I was gifted with numerous CDs from performers and poets. It is a great delight for me to get home and to play through each CD, often discovering new voices and talents, such is the case with today's guest, Australian bush poet Carol Hukin. I listened through her two-CD set, Both Sides, several times and found myself laughing one minute and teary-eyed the next. I'm embarrassed to admit I wasn't familiar with her work and went online to learn more. Oh, my goodness, where have I been? She's been performing at major cowboy gatherings throughout the West for the past several years. There are scores of videos of her performing at these venues in our schools as well as in Australia. What a treasure she is. And Gary and I have been eagerly awaiting our time together today. Now, here's her official (laughs) intro. And I actually lifted this off the Elko um, Poetry Gathering website Carol Ucann has lived on the land in rural Australia most of her life, previously on sheep and cattle property in the Man from Snowy River Country, and now in the Hunter Valley of New South Wales. She trained horses, taught riding, and competed intensively. She is an international horse judge and commentator. Poetry kind of took over about sixteen years ago after being Australian champion Bush poet twice and winning hundreds of awards, the horses retired and poetry became became, became Carol's full-time profession. She has published five books, six CDs, and has been named Australian Bush Lariat: a Record number of times. Currently, Carol is on her 15th tour of the United States and Canada and brings a broad repertoire that goes from heart wrenching to utterly hilarious. Please welcome the Campfire Cafe, making her premier appearance a multi talented performer and award winning, winning the richest prize in poetry history a Case JX55 tractor valued at $34,000. Welcome, Carol. You can welcome, Carol.
4: Oh, thanks so much, Bobby Dean. It's so great to be with both of you. Hi, Gary.
0: Hey, good to have you with us. Good to have you with us. Hey, I want to get something out of the way right off the Sorry, bat. Sorry, I
4: just missed that. What was that?
0: I said I need to get something out of the way right off the bat. Okay. And And all of us around the world have seen the terrible fires that have taken place earlier this year in Australia. Yeah. So it's how are things now? now? Yeah, how are things now and, and were you affected any?
4: Well, a guy that I know, a horseman was killed, and that touched all of us of course, but he wasn't mm-hmm. the only one. It's been a terrible time for Australia. Now, I left a couple of weeks ago and in my area we had a reprieve as the rain came, thank goodness, but not in the most serious areas of de- devastation and it's still very uh, touch and go in some areas but mainly the, the effects that carry on after the the dreadful fires all over our state and Victoria as well the, the effects are going to be felt for a long time and, mm-hmm. and I just thank so many of the people around the world who have asked about us, who have sent their prayers and thoughts and, and their financial support and the American firefighters and Canadians, all of all of you, thank you so much.
0: Well, our hearts go out to everyone that's been affected, and um, the loss of wildlife was—it's just unimaginable. Uh, I think yeah, we've all. Billions. Yeah, you know that's hard to—that's hard to wrap your head around. A billion animals lost. Unbelievable.
4: Well, that's wildlife plus, you know about four and a half million sheep and two and a half million head of cattle and you know heaven knows what else i I don't think the count can ever be concise it's just been all around a terrible time
0: well our prayers again go out to everyone that that has been affected and i know that uh, financial support's probably still needed so There are many, many, many ways that you can contribute and and give to the relief that's that's much needed in Australia right now. You know, we're grateful for all of our listeners in Australia, and uh, and our thoughts have been with you this whole time. So, but let's get to something more interesting. Uh, not well, more interesting. A little more light.
3: <laughs> a little bit lighter.
0: Yes. Yeah. So so how how in the world did a, did a young lady from Australia get started with cowboy gatherings all across the United States?
4: Well, not exactly young lady, I'll tell you that. But uh, <laughs> it sort of happened because uh, before I came into the world of, of poetry. Australia used to have a competition called the waltzing Matilda competition sponsored by the airline Qantas. And my dear friend and mentor, Milton Taylor, who was an amazing writer and performer, won it six times, believe it or not. And the prize was to come across to Elko. Now, wow. even when that competition finished, Milton recommended the powers that be at Elko, recommended me to them. And I was invited to perform, and it was just the most amazing time of my life. And I've been very fortunate that gatherings throughout the United States and Canada have invited me every year for the past um, 16 years.
0: Wow. Wow. Um, Well, that's pretty impressive to start out at Elko. But yeah, I didn't people, start in the
4: waiting pool; straight to the <laughs> you did. You did. I've
0: talked to some people that that uh, have been on the list for a long time to get on at Elko, so that's that's pretty impressive, pretty cool.
3: Yeah, thanks.
0: But, yeah.
4: Uh, yeah, and, you were and, just and
3: there.
4: S- I was just gonna say, Sorry? and you
2: were you were just there, yeah.
4: Oh yeah, I've just come from from there, and what a week it was. It's, it's just the most amazing atmosphere. It's like a, a big family reunion party where we a family that all love each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, a functional so, family.
0: <laughs> so so cool. Yeah, a functional family is right. But uh, but it's so cool. This year they <laughs> they did a special tribute for Don Don Edwards, our good friend. And uh Yes. That yes. had to be something special.
4: And and some amazing people were there to perform songs to to honor him
0: well he was a pretty cool guy so that was, yeah. pretty cool guy so you're on you're on the way or actually i think you are have actually arrived at the cochise Portrait gathering now haven't you
4: i certainly am it's it virtually starts today i'm here in uh, sierra vista and tonight i perform at big nose kate saloon in tombstone oh. wow <laughs> oh. that's a super place
2: oh that's such, a, that's such a cool place oh how fun Oh yes. gosh!
4: Right.
0: So well known. So well known. Well, listen. Let's go ahead and get to another one of your great poems. We've got several that we're going to try to get to today during the next forty minutes or so. But uh, this I is so, one. Cause... Go ahead.
4: No, I was going to say because after that last bit of little nonsense, all of Texas hates me now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You just, you just immortalize them, so that's okay. But this is one called the Ballad <laughs> of the Drover. Let's take a listen to that and come back and talk more with Carol Hucan in just a moment on the Campfire Cafe.
4: Australia is a land of droughts and flooding rains and everything in between and everything that ensues. This ballad by Henry Lawson, written about oh, 1889, paints an eloquent and tragic picture. <laughs> The Ballad of the Drover by Henry Lawson Across the stony ridges, across the rolling plain Young Harry Dale, the drover, comes riding home again And well his stock horse bears him, and light of heart is he And stoutly his old pack horse is trotting by his knee Up Queensland way with cattle He's travelled regions vast, and many months have vanished since Homfirk saw him last. He hums a song of someone he hopes to marry soon, and hobble chains and campware keep jingling to the tune. Beyond the hazy dado, against the lower skies and yon blue line of ranges, the station homestead lies, and thitherward the drover. Jogs through the lazy noon, while hobble chains and campware, are jingling to a tune. An hour has filled the heavens with storm clouds, inky black. At times the lightning trickles around the drover's track, but Harry pushes onwards. His horse's strength he tries, in hope to reach the river, before the flood shall rise. The thunder pealing o'er him goes rumbling o'er the plain. And sweet on thirsty pastures Beats fast the splashing rain And every creek and gully Sends forth its tribute flood Till the river runs a banker All stained with yellow mud Now Harry speaks to Rover The best dog on the plains And to his hardy horses And strokes their shaggy manes "'We've breasted bigger rivers "'when the floods were at their height. "'Nor shall this gutter stop us "'from getting home tonight. "'The thunder growls a warning. "'The ghastly lightnings gleam. "'The drover turns his horses "'to swim the fatal stream. "'But, oh, the flood runs stronger "'than ere it ran before. "'The saddle horse is failing "'and only halfway o'er. "'When flashes next the lightning, "'the floods... Grey breast is blank And a cattle dog and pack horse Are struggling up the bank In the lonely homestead The girl shall wait in vain He'll never pass the stations In charge of stock again The faithful dog a moment Lies panting on the bank Then plunges through the current To where his master sank and round and round in circles he fights with failing strength, till gripped by wilder waters, he fails and sinks at length. Across the flooded lowlands and sodden slopes of loam, the pack horse struggles onwards to take dumb tidings home, and mud stained, wet and weary. goes by rock and tree while hobble chains and tinware are sounding eerily.
2: We just heard Carol Huken our guest today with the Ballad of the Drover one of those um, pieces that leaves me teary-eyed, Carol. (laughs) Um, well, you know we, how to, we have all extremes, <laughs> don't we? Now, this particular piece, um, you did not you did not write your CD. I just love it, both sides, um, the two CD set, and congratulations, Rick Huff, just gave it a, a highly recommended review in the Western Way magazine. Um, uh, this one, though, again, you didn't you didn't write this one. How did you choose the few that you didn't write? Um, how did you choose those for the CD?
4: Well, I wanted these two CDs, the album, to reflect all sides of the, the poetry world, the bush poetry and the cowboy poetry, and some that fit into both genres. But I felt it should have a couple of the classics, the, the uh, traditional poetry of Australia on it, and maybe one or two from other authors amongst those that, that i wrote myself i thought it should be reflective of everything so henry yeah. lawson yeah. and banjo patterson are our two greatest poets so i had to include their work
2: mm-hmm. and i really enjoy um ernie martinez and rick's right out rex writeout and some of the um musical um intros or like we just heard a little bit from ernie at the end there it's very nice um did you? How did you collaborate? Did you do that when you were here? Tell me a little bit about the recording process.
4: <laughs> oh, it has <laughs> been a, a journey, I can tell you. Like Ernie Martinez, the fabulous instrumentalist, um, instrumentalist oh. of the year from the IWMa. You know how great he is, and yes. uh, it was his offer to be part of this. And how exciting is that? And when I was uh, in Colorado earlier last year. We did a lot of it, but then I had to uh, go back. So th- actually four different studios involved in the recording process and <laughs> poor Jim Ratz doing the engineering and getting the technology to sync. It was, it was quite a job, but I'm really thrilled. I just feel a little bit of music. Some of them have got music throughout, some of them just a little bit to uh, mood music, so to speak, and I, mm-hmm. I think they've done a great job.
2: And mm-hmm. Rex is also is there- a
4: friend uh, yeah. Sorry.
5: Yes,
2: I saw some video. I saw some pictures of you with. Um, it looks like Rex and maybe Susie Knight. You were entertaining in the schools.
3: Um, well, we've become but, friends.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was very fun. <laughs> it looked like you were having a ball <laughs> with those kids. <laughs> we
3: we um, do.
2: <laughs> the um, I'm so curious again, a little bit about your your process um your delivery it, it each piece is like a little mini theatrical um which makes it so compelling and engaging to listen to and it must be also riveting to watch um do you how do you how do you practice
4: that do you, how do you get ready for well, a performance well, thank you for that well i am there and when i'm saying it I am actually in that place whether it's a, a funny one I'm reliving the embarrassment of the moment <laughs> or if it's a serious one I I can see that dog lying on the bank and torn between the security yeah. of survival or the loyalty to a master I, as I'm saying it I'm there so apparently people say that comes through with what I do so um, I hope that's that suits everybody yeah you're not just saying it you're taking them on a journey to those places and that's Mm -hmm. what I like to try and be part of
5: yes and and
2: and you do that just uh, really really well Um, do you do you have a you you're prolific and reading your bio and and reading about some of the competitions you've been in and different things Um, do you write every day what's your what's your writing process (laughs) Oh,
4: okay. Well, I don't, I don't do competitions anymore. That's a, a lot of competitions in Australia. And you usually start off that way. But then I felt once I won two championships and nine laureate awards, I either had to step aside or go professional. And that's what I did. The writing, in your early writing career, I guess, you do write prolifically because your mind is flooded with lots of memories of things to write about, etc. But uh, I guess I take more time with the writing process now and the the technique of writing rather than just the story. If I get an idea for a story, I'll think about it a fair while before I even put anything on the computer or on paper and think what sort of metric pattern would go with this, what sort of, Mm. you know music of words the tempo etc do i want and i think about that a lot before i i start yeah and i like mm-hmm. to experiment with different uh rhyming and and metric patterns mm-hmm.
3: so do
4: you do you do you write in a
2: little notebook or do you talk into your your phone your you know your cell phone or how do you capture mm-hmm. your thoughts
4: no i'm i'm visual so i don't use uh, audio machines for either memorizing all for writing, and um, I'll either write on paper bits and pieces or directly onto mm-hmm. the computer. Um, mm-hmm. And it, some are quick. I mean, I do commission writing as well, so sometimes you've got to write about what you don't really want to write about, <laughs> and that's, yeah, it's like drawing water out of a dry well. <laughs> that takes a that takes a bit longer, um, but I get a lot of satisfaction from the writing as as well
2: as the performing yeah mm-hmm. gary um i i know what's next on the playlist are you going to play that or are you jumping are no you i'm going
0: to i'm going to i'm going <laughs> to move around just a little bit and uh
4: okay.
0: we're going to do the hooves of the horses right now uh
4: another classic
0: yeah and when we come back i want to find out about because i love horses i'm a horse guy myself so I'm going to find out a little bit more about how you got started into horses and your competition, but let's take a listen to the hooves of the horses and come back and we'll be talking more with Carol in just a moment on the Campfire Cafe.
4: Although the beginning and end of his life was in Scotland, Will Ogilvy held the years he lived in Australia as a drover and horseman the closest to his heart. We claim him as one of our greatest bush poets. I claim him for his passion for horses, so evident in this classic poem, The Hoofs of the Horses. The hoofs of the horses, oh, witching and sweet, is the music earth steals from the iron shod feet. No whisper of lover, no trilling of bird can stir me as hoofs. Of the horses have stirred They spurn disappointment And trample despair And drown with their drumbeats The challenge of care With scarlet and silk For their banners above They are swifter than fortune And sweeter than love On the wings of the morning They gather and fly In the hush of the night time I hear them go by, the horses of memory, thundering through, with flashing white fetlocks, all wet with the dew. When you lay me to slumber, no spot can you choose, but will ring to the rhythm of galloping shoes. And under the daisies, no grave be so deep. Of the horses shall sound in my sleep. Wow, I love
0: that. The hooves of the horses.
4: Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we share the passion.
0: Yeah, we do. Um, For me, mine started as a child because I've always grown up with horses. But uh, how about you? Were you were you did, were you raised with horses, or how did your interest no, start? No,
4: sir. Very different story. <laughs> I think the story got lost when I was born and put me in the wrong place accidentally. Because <laughs> um, I was born in the middle of the city to parents who were not the slightest bit horsey, but it was was there and right from the beginning, from an early age, Mum said, you know, do you want a birthday party, or would you like a horse ride then? And of course, I took the horse ride, and it was the one thing that I could do a bit better than my older cousin, and that really suited me and uh, <laughs> i was I was <laughs> yeah, I was hooked, and from then on, I escaped the city every moment I could and lay byed my first horse by selling bottles and for two years until I could pay for her and wow. I went to the a rural country area every weekend and every school holidays, until finally I was able to have my own life on the land.
0: Wow, wow, wow. So how old were you, Carol?
4: Well, I was I was nine when I first started staying at Dude Ranch horses, uh, Dude Ranch places on my own to be with horses. And I was 15 when I first put a deposit on my my own horse. And um, yeah, that that meant a lot to me to, to finally have my own. and. Funny thing, Gary, many years later, uh, we had a reunion of that uh, place where I started, and 50 of us were there, and, and all of the 50 that were passionate about horses as kids, there was a guy who had a newspaper run, and he bought his own horse, and he and I, 50 years later, were the only ones who still had horses. And oh, wow. I'm sure that's yeah. because, yeah, of that beginning.
0: Wow. Wow. But
4: I went on from there. I I started off as the best manure picker-upper you ever saw (laughs) and and got noticed and then got to be the groom and then got to ride and then got to uh, compete. And I competed at the highest level in Australia for for 34 years. I competed at the top level, which um, was my total passion. So, what was
0: your discipline? What was your discipline? Uh,
4: well, I I have had a go at most horse sports, and and I did quite a few different things, jumping and what have you. But show horses were my passion. I love a beautiful horse, and although I had working horses, and because I trained and taught, I guess I was involved with all different breeds and types of horses. But the show horse has always been my passion. And in Australia, they are predominantly thoroughbred or English riding ponies
0: okay all right all right and you you do you are you still judging
4: yes i I do still judge um not prolifically you don't need that many people to hate you
3: <laughs> 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 only one person
4: only one per only one person likes you when you judge um But I'm so busy with the poetry and other things that I don't – I just do a couple of big big uh, state royal shows each year.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool. Well, I I didn't know that people hated judges in Australia like they do in the United States, but I guess (laughs) it's universal, isn't it?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Uh, they smile sweetly through their gritted teeth.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, gosh! Well, I have to. I have to. One of the poems that's on the CD uh, is one that we are all familiar with, if not from the poetry from the movie. And
4: uh,
0: oh, how did you select the man from Snowy River to be on this?
4: Well, I lived there, so that's very close to my heart. And Banjo Patterson who wrote it is my hero. He was a wonderful horseman, steeplechase rider. He looked he was the remount in charge of the remounts during the war and he fought desperately for our to save a lot of our horses, unsuccessfully unfortunately. But he was a voice in the wilderness who stood up for the horses that went through so much in the Boer War and the First World War. So He was also a journalist and therefore we have words in common as well as horses in common. But having ridden those mountains, chased stock up there, of course it's very close to my heart. And Kirk Douglas just died at 103. Can you believe that? He did.
0: 103 years old. And uh, he he was so good in his dual roles in in that movie.
4: Do you know the, can I tell you a little trivia about that? Yeah, please. Well, he so wanted to be in that movie that he flew himself over to audition. And he was in the room with all the other hopefuls when the casting director came out and said to them all, are there any of you who can actually recite that poem? And Kirk mm-hmm. Douglas was the only one who could.
0: No kidding. No kidding! No
4: kidding! Wow! Yeah, wonderful. Well,
0: well, we will, uh, we will, we'll do this poem as a tribute to Mr. Kirk Douglas, who just passed away at 103. This is the man from Snowy River. You're going to enjoy this. It's a little bit long, but uh, let's take a listen to that and come back and talk more with Carol on the Campfire Cafe.
4: I spent some of the best years of my life on a sheep and cattle property in the snowy mountains of New South Wales. So this poem is very close to my heart, as it is to every Australian's. The Man from Snowy River by Banjo Patterson. There was movement at the station, for the word had passed around that the colt from old Regret had got away, and had joined the wild bush horses. He was worth a thousand pounds, so all the cracks had gathered to the fray. All the tried and noted riders from the stations near and far had mustered at the homestead overnight. For the bushmen love hard riding, where the wild bush horses are, and the stock horse snuffs the battle with delight." There was Harrison, who made his pile when Pardon won the cup, and the old man with his hair as white as snow. Ah, but few could ride beside him when his blood was fairly up. He would go wherever horse and man could go. And Clancy of the overflow came down to lend a hand. No better horseman ever held the reins, for never horse could throw him while the saddle girths would stand. He learnt to ride while droving on the plains." "'and one was there, a stripling, "'on a small and weedy beast. "'It was something like a racehorse, undersized, "'with a touch of Timor pony, three parts thoroughbred at least, "'and such as are by mountain horsemen prized. "'He was hard and tough and wiry, "'just the sort that won't say die. "'There was courage in his quick, impatient tread, "'and he bore the badge of gayness in his bright, "'and fiery eye, "'and the proud and lofty carriage of his head. "'But still, so small and weedy, "'one would doubt his power to stay, "'and the old man said, "Bah, that horse'll never do "'for a long and tiring gallop, lad. "'You'd better stay away. "'Those hills are far too steep "'for such as you.' "'So he waited, sad and wistful. "'Only Clancy stood his friend.' "'Oh, I think we ought to let him come,' he said. "'I'll warrant he'll be with us when he's wanted at the end, "'for both his horse and he are mountain-bred. "'He hails from Snowy River up by Kosciuszko's side, "'where the hills are twice as steep and twice as rough, "'and where a horse's hoofs strike firelight "'on the Flintstones every stride, "'and the man that holds his own is good enough.' And the snowy river riders on the mountains make their home, where the river runs those giant hills between. I've seen full many horsemen since I first commenced to roam, but never yet such horsemen have I seen. So he went, and they found the horses by the big mimosa clump, and raced away towards the mountain's brow. And the old man gave his orders. Boys, go at them from the jump. No use to try for fancy riding now. And Clancy, you must wheel them. Try and wheel them to the right. Ride boldly, lad, and never fear the spills. For never yet was rider that could keep the mob in sight once they gain the shelter of those hills. "'So Clancy rode to wheel them. "'He was racing on the wing "'where the best and boldest riders take their place. "'And he raced his stock horse past them "'and he made the rangers ring with his stock whip "'as he met them face to face. "'And they halted for a moment.' While he swung that dreaded lash, but they saw their well-loved mountains full in view, and they charged beneath the stockwhip with a sharp and sudden dash, and off into the mountain scrub they flew. And fast the horsemen followed, where the gorges deep and black resounded to the thunder of their tread. And the stockwhips woke the echoes, and they fiercely answered back from cliffs and crags that beetled overhead. "'And upward, ever upward, the wild horses held their way, "'where Mountain Ash and Currajong grew wide. "'And the old man muttered fiercely, "'We may bid the mob good day. "'No man can hold them down the other side.' "'When they reached the mountain's summit, "'even Clancy took a pull. "'It well might make the boldest hold their breath. "'For the wild hop-scrub grew thickly, "'and the hidden ground was full of wombat-holes.' "'and any slip meant death. "'But the man from Snowy River let his pony have his head, "'and he swung the stock whip round and gave a cheer, "'and he charged him down the mountain like a torrent in its bed, "'while the others stood and watched in very fear. "'And he sent the flintstones flying, but the pony kept his feet, "'he cleared the fallen timber in his stride, "'and the man from Snowy River never shifted in his seat.' It was grand to see that mountain horseman ride through the stringy barks and saplings on the rough and broken ground, down the hillside at a racing pace he went. And he never drew the bridle till he landed safe and sound at the bottom of that terrible descent he was right among the horses as they climbed the further hill, and the watchers on the hillside standing mute saw him ply the stock whip fiercely. He was right among them still as he raced across the clearing in pursuit. And then they lost him for a moment, where two mountain gullies met in the ranges, but a final glimpse reveals, on a dim and distant hillside, the wild horses racing yet with the man from Snowy River at their heels, and he ran them single-handed till their sides were white with foam. He followed like a bloodhound on their track, till they halted, cowered and beaten, and he turned their heads for home, and alone and unassisted brought them back. But his hardy mountain pony, he could scarcely raise a trot. He was blood from hip to shoulder with the spur. But his pluck was still undaunted, and his courage fiery hot. For never yet was mountain horse a cur. And down by Kosciuszko, where the pine-clad ridges raise their torn and rugged battlements on high, where the air is clear as crystal, And the white stars fairly blaze at midnight in a cold and frosty sky. And down around the overflow, the reed beds sweep and sway to the breezes, and the rolling plains are wide. The man from Snowy River is a household word today, and the stockmen tell the story of his ride.
2: Oh wow, that was The Man from Snowy River and originally written by A B or Banjo Patterson from eighteen ninety five and we've just been privileged to hear Carol Huken, our guest today, present that. What a what an amazing piece of poetry that is. <laughs> we can just see it's it inspiring. so clearly, can't we? Yeah. yeah.
4: Um
2: you know, and Carol, as I go through your the, the um the tracks on this C D so many that you've chosen or that you've written yourself um, are about that power of the horse and the story um, often based on a true historical event. I know Gary doesn't have it set for today, but lunatic happens to be one of my favorites. Um, You find inspiration in these um, really important stories of, of, of rider and horse and sacrifice. Um,
3: yeah, and everybody always
4: remembers the the man, but I can't help it. I I give tribute to the horse that that lunatic, what he did to save that township. That horse went through yeah. in in dreadful conditions and swimming those rivers, and it's a true story. So I felt he he deserves a bit of credit as well.
2: Yeah, wow. yeah, I think that's so true. I you know I often wonder about Paul Revere's horse, but we never really hear about him. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I wasn't there. Yeah. I, can't, I can't. write about it. <laughs> um, I
2: do. I know that you're. Uh, that you are there in Sierra Vista for this weekend's um, Cochise Poetry and Music Gathering, and they have a very cool tagline for this year. Um, the cowboy. The cowboy is cool. Something like that is the tagline. It, Did it's they cool to be a cowboy. That's it. Yes. Did they encourage um, performers to come up with? Something to go along with that tagline?
4: Well, I'm certainly going to go on stage with my sunglasses and suntan cream. Will that do? <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's a very fun. that's a very fun slogan. I I I'm wishing that I had thought of that. I'm going to see if I can steal it for some some blogs and things that I'm going to write.
4: <laughs> well, well, when I was yeah. here last time, it was the 25th anniversary, which was silver. And so they seen it on the reel, as in R W E L, the the movie cowboys and the you know the the serials and things. So so that was yeah, fun. We sure. we all yeah, uh, well, sure. a lot of us had a go at writing about those famous cowboys of the silver screen.
2: Yeah, very fun. I know. Um, I, I don't know if Gary will have time to play it. I know it's on the set list. Um, and it's the sunset. Um, sunset sunset cattle drive and i know that was that the right title yes and i know that was inspired by a painting so some of these gatherings that you go to it seems as though not all but they they put a painting out there or or something that in that they ask performers to respond to i think that must be really fun to do
4: yeah it is and it's uh Sometimes instead of just writing what you know to to write what you asked about, is it can be very inspirational. And I, And I wrote that Sunset Cattle Drive from two points of view, from that beautiful landscape being looked upon by someone in a factory assembly line and just what his reaction would be. And then I wrote it from the point of view of perhaps a ranch wife, a young ranch wife, missing her husband who's out on uh, at cattle drive and watching across the horizon for those uh, cattle to be coming and, of course, her husband to be coming home, just to get the different point of view.
2: Yeah, it's a wonderful piece. Gary, what what
4: do you have queued up?
2: Are we doing no, no point next?
0: I think, I think... Uh, that I'm going to go ahead and do Sunset Cattle Drive, as a matter oh, of fact. Okay. We just talked about that. She <laughs> set
2: it up for us. So.
0: <laughs> she set it up. So let's take a listen to Sunset exactly. Cattle Drive and come back in a minute on the Campfire Cafe.
4: The advertising poster for one of the cowboy gatherings I had been booked to attend was a beautiful rural oil painting by Ed Mill entitled, Sunset Cattle Drive. Selected performers for the gathering were asked to write a song or poem inspired by the painting. I could not help but imagine a factory worker's reaction to such a magnificent landscape. What a picture you have painted with your brushes, Mr. Mel. Such a scene of rural splendour in the vision that you tender. Such a motion you're evoking as you weave your magic spell. Did the western landscape lure you to its bosom, Mr. Mill? Did your heartstrings feel the touches so you left the city's clutches while we mortals die by inches in the grind of urban hell? Do you know what we are seeing in our narrow little world as we toil by clock and whistle, ever-facing feared dismissal, not for us the velvet vision of the sunlit plains unfurled? All we see is fire and furnace. All we smell is smoke and sweat. All around us cogs are turning as the midnight oil is burning on the factory floor of futile, fueled by ever-mounting death. Every face a bland indifference and no different from the rest. An assembly line of weary, uninspired and dull and dreary. For we've never seen a sunset shade the vista of the west. All we hear is the cacophony of mechanation's grind, every galling grating gnashing, every hiss and clang of crashing drives imagined rangeland stillness from the chasms of the mind. So keep painting, Mr Mel sir. You are held in high esteem, for the images you capture. Touch the soul with rhyme and rapture and fulfill the West connection that for me was once a dream. And the same painting, Sunset Cattle Drive, from a woman's point of view. As the sun is slowly sinking through the shadows left behind, I imagine I can see him bringing cattle but I find that it's merely wishful thinking as the memories tease my mind. Through the months of weary waiting, as the wrinkles etch my brow, and I rankle at the knowledge that he'd rather chase a cow than be here, right here beside me, where I need him, here and now, need his warm, strong arms around me, need to hold him to my breast, need to find my fears unfounded and my worries put to rest know at last he's come home safely from his ramblings in the west I'm afraid out here and lonely and I miss him every day and I hope that I can make it but it's tough here and I pray that the nearest woman's face was not a hundred miles away see, a new life stirs within me Perhaps the long-awaited son He's the promise of the future And a dynasty begun And the life that will be living's not a life to shirk or shun So I smile And put my hand here And I whisper Soft and low He'll be home soon, little darling Everything will be just so Daddy's out there working cattle Where the best of cowboys go Then a glimpse again of longhorns in the sunset on the rise, and I'm torn twixt doubt and longing as the visions tantalize, and I peer at purple shadows and can scarce believe my eyes. Oh, please let that be him coming. Has he heard my fervent plea? I will stop all this complaining if that's him I really see. Little child, forget my fretting. This is how it's meant to be. He's a cowboy. Now a rancher, like his father was before. And the land is what he lives for. It is in his very core. Nothing's ever going to change that. It's his life forevermore. And if I truly love him, I must make it my life too. I'll get used to being lonely. I'll get used to making do. We will work at this together. And I know we'll see it through. For the battle's worth the winning. He and I are really one. He will keep on driving cattle till the cattle drives are done. And I will still be waiting at the setting of the sun.
0: Sunset Cattle Drive by our guest today, Miss Carol Huchin. And, um carol as i listened to this yesterday i had to ask myself how did you write this from the perspective of a factory worker and a ranch wife i understand the ranch wife better than i did the factory worker but how did did that how did you do that
4: i just put myself there and imagine what they would be thinking that's what writers do But Gary I I gotta say something I'm so pleased you've shown The serious side of me Because all around I am booked for And known for being the Village idiot and my comedy poetry And now, now you've shown me in a Totally different light and thanks <laughs> Well
0: uh, we haven't finished yet So we may show some of that oh, Less oh. serious side So yeah Yeah uh, but that—that's absolutely great. That is absolutely great. Well, we've talked. We've mentioned a couple of times that you're down at the Cochise Cowboy Poetry Gathering uh, this weekend. And um, do you have any other events that you'll be attending while you're here in the states?
4: Not on this trip. I—I I go home after this gathering, but I'm coming back. I'll be back for the. Grand Junction Gathering uh, later in the year in Colorado, and also, I think, for Cimarron, New Mexico. So I think that's July and November I'll be back again.
0: Well, Bobby, you'll get to see her at Cimarron.
2: Yes, I will. Uh, my husband and I are all, already have our rooms booked there. Yay! That's
0: your room. <laughs> hey. Yes. That'll be That'll fun. Be a,
1: yeah. That will be a
0: treat. That would be a treat. Do you have a favorite cowboy poetry gathering? I I know that you did a residency uh, at the Strater Theater in Durango, but but do you have a favorite
4: gathering here in the states? <laughs> well, you're going to make me offside with all the rest of them, but I got to.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Oh uh, gosh, probably the next one. I
2: don't think one, she's going to answer that one. Yeah, I, I, probably
0: probably the next one. Yeah, probably the next one. <laughs>
2: Whatever
3: the next
0: yeah. yeah.
3: So anyway, the
0: uh, the Cochise Cowboy Poetry Gathering is coming up. This next poem that we'll get to is one called Not Now. And this does show a little bit of, of the playful side of you. Uh, tell us about this.
4: because I, I remember going to the movies as a kid and all those heroes, you know, Roy Rogers and Hopalong Cassidy, and they were magic times to me, and, and I, that's, I guess that's part of what tingled my fascination with everything here in the States. So thanks to all those Morty Murphys and Randolph Scotts and all of those guys, they did it for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, well, let's take a listen. And ruined my
4: love life. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: ruined your love life. Yeah. Well, let's they take a listen <laughs> to that Now. And, uh, you know, we don't often talk about Audie Murphy and Randolph Scott when we're talking about some of our favorite westerns here. But uh, they actually are a couple of my favorites as well. So, but, uh, but anyway, let's listen to Not Now, and we'll come back and talk more with Carol in just a moment.
4: Dead Horse Point in Moab, Utah is a mesa which, because of its narrow neck and vertical cliffs on three sides, was once used as a natural corral for trapping wild mustangs. Bones of many horses have been found there, and modern technology indicates that these horses died of exposure, thirst, with the Colorado River in plain sight, 2,000 feet below them. Why? I had to see the place for myself. Despite the difficulty in actually locating it, the haunting vibes drew me there to find it and write my own story. No point. Some dapples of sun touched the dapples of dun on the croup of the mare in the lead and resisting the need for the sweet morning feed, she lifted her head to take heed. Not a trace on the wind. She began to rescind, but her senses were tested in time. The instinct for fleeing was urging her being. Adrenaline started to climb. It had happened before, and she couldn't ignore what her well-tested senses were saying. So she coiled to take flight, and with all of her might from the depths of her soul came a neighing. Yes, it happened before on the Red Canyon floor, when the Fremont tribe... ...chased them to water... ...the aim to confuse them... ...in depth to diffuse them... ...a melee that ended in slaughter... ...their patriarch lost was the terrible cost... ...for the freedom the rest of them gained... ...so the mayor filled the need... ...taking over the lead... ...with a wariness deeply ingrained... ...then the second time round... ...they had been run aground... ...when the Navajo came from the plains... With the stealth of a lion and will made of iron, success was reward for their pains. With a blood-curdling yell, they had chased them to hill, till beaten and trapped they stood heaving. With strange-sounding voices, the red men made choices, and those that remained watched them leaving. So she scented the breeze, seeking cause for unease, Wary vigilance ever her guide. She tasted the fear and she struggled to hear and she nuzzled the foal at her side. For no rhyme or reason, her colt from last season had strayed to the edge of the herd. But her knicker of warning was lost in the dawning, the youngster grazed on undeterred. Oh, the canyon exploded, the terror unloaded. Through mesquite and sage they came barging. A hollering and hooting, their pistols were shooting. The devil incarnate came charging. The Mustangs sprang forth, all as one to the north. They took off like a shot from a gun. The herd was hard driven, no quarter was given. A race for survival to run. How they zigged and they zagged, and the weaker ones lagged but never a one acquiesced. With pluck and with daring, with nostrils full flaring, they galloped as wild things possessed. Small fragments of loam clung to sides white with foam, and the whites of their eyes blazed with fear. How they stretched and they strained, not an inch lost or gained, and ever the horsemen drew near. Then a young filly foal put a foot in a hole, and a delicate fetlock was shattered. So over they stepped, in their stride each one leapt where her body lay broken and battered. The dam fairly faltered. Her course never altered, the weight of them all on her shoulders. The trail unsuspected by riders directed, they squeezed between cliff sides and boulders. Then a spine chilling stillness, a gut wrenching illness, as heaving, spent bodies sought breath from a mad scrambled bolt. They had skidded to halt, just inches from freedom or death. Behind at the gap, men were closing the trap, and branches now blocked the retreat. Horsemen turned to the quarry, now sated and sorry. Elation became bittersweet. They cursed and they sneered through the dust as they peered at the pitiful sight there before them. Just cold. Small and weedy, old mares, worn and needy, gaunt frames, haunted eyes to implore them, the parched bodies thirsting, rib cages bursting, each sinew and muscle was aching. Aware of their plight, they stood wide eyed with fright, their gascons and quarters were shaking. The old mare called in vain, called again and again for the foal she had had to forego and she paced on the edge of the crumbling ledge and fell 2,000 feet down below. With his pride sorely hurt, one man spat in the dirt as he turned away sour and defeated. Perhaps it was spite, but it sure wasn't right. They just closed up the gap and retreated. Dead Horse Point is renowned, Is the place where was found the bones of a small band of horses? Mankind's callousness, why they were left there to die, tortured slowly by nature's brute forces.
0: Well, I have to apologize. That was no point. Not, not now.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm now going to be known as the town crier
0: (laughs) (laughs) So my suggestion is Everyone listening today Needs to go out and buy the CD And you can actually listen to not now But uh, anyway, (laughs) that happens sometimes That happens sometimes (laughs) Well, Carol, you have absolutely been great It has been a quick, quick hour together and uh, such a pleasure to have you with us today.
4: Thank you so much for having me, and I, I really appreciate it, both of you. Thank you. And thank you to all your listeners. For, if you're still there, if you're not gone for the <laughs> Kleenex tissues. <laughs> uh,
0: yes. Well, tell everybody where they can find information about you. Give us your website and Facebook page and, and any other social that you'd like to.
4: Thanks, Gary. Well, my website is Carol Poet. If you just Google Carol Poet, all one word, you'll find me. And I do have, uh, if you email me, I do have a contact in the States that has uh, the CDs, so you don't have to pay a million dollars to send them from Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Oh
0: Gosh. So when will you be heading back home?
4: Um, Sunday. Yes, this Sunday. Only a few days left. Uh, but it's going to be a, fun fact, a fun-filled fun few days because I'm here at the uh, at the gathering. So what more can I ask?
0: All right, what we'll a get lineup. out and see her. Get out there and see a Gosh, a great bunch of folks out there. That's right, Bobby. What a
4: lineup. What a
2: lineup.
0: So I tell everybody that uh, folks that are in Australia listening to the show live today uh, actually are listening on Friday, aren't they?
4: Yeah, it would be a couple of days ago, that's for sure. Oh
0: <laughs> right, gosh! Well, Carol, you have absolutely okay. been great. We appreciate you so much joining us. And when you're back over here again, please let us know. We'd love to have you come back again.
4: But you got to do all funny ones then. <laughs> I'll do all funny
0: ones. I'll do all funny ones.
2: August, August when she's out here for Cimarron. <laughs>
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh. Well, listen, thank you so much. We've been talking with Carol Huchin today on the Campfire Cafe, and we're going to close this out. Now, if this is what it's supposed to be, this one is kind of cute. This does show the funny side. Uh, Carol, this is one called Pleasing, and uh, we'll be back in just a moment with Bobby Bell on the Campfire Cafe.
4: This poem is to ensure that you all enjoy the rest of your life. It's called Pleasing. (music) Fellas, if you want to please a female, it's a daunting thing to do. So you'd better listen carefully to what I'm telling you. Tell her that she's beautiful. Take her for long walks. Hold her hand. Touch her face. Try to listen when she talks. Fondle her and kiss her in a not necessarily you-know-what way. Buy her gifts and flowers And phone her every day you got to lie as if you mean it Say you do when perhaps you don't Answer with of course you will when Geez, you hope you won't Take her to a restaurant Watch a movie through Passing air and snoring is not the thing to do Remember every birthday and anniversaries too And always, always notice when she's wearing something new. Now, you ladies and you lasses, it's your turn to listen here. If you want to please a fella, turn up naked and bring beer. <laughs> uh,
0: gosh, Well, that's a pretty good way to end up the show today, I think. But uh, men have a lot harder time than women in, in pleasing, I think. Don't you?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, it has been a fun show. Certainly enjoyed having Carol with us today. And, uh, Bobby, I guess we'll see you on the radio next week, won't we?
2: Uh, yes, you will.
0: Any kind of closing thought today?
2: Well, I I do, actually. I I was so um, happy that Tanya Tucker uh, won two out of the four nominated Grammys at the recent Grammy Awards. Um, I was so delighted for her. And in one of her acceptance speeches, she said, no matter how young or old you are, never stop following your
0: dreams. I think I'll listen to that. I think I'll listen to that advice. Well, it's been a great show for the Campfire Cafe, and right now it's time for Saddle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. When we come back, we're going to be talking with our good friend, Mr. Jim McGarvey and Mr. Daryl Wallace. And, Bobby, we'll see you next week on the radio.
2: All right, have a good week.
0: You're
1: running through the hot sun in the desert land. Down the old dry riverbed Into the burning sand But still he keeps on coming Although he's just a man And if the cowboy catches you You'll have to wear his brand Once your kind was many But now you're all too few And you can't stop to rest Because the breed might end with you The cowboys and the fences They just keep closing in So you've got to keep on running Because they're after you again Silver Spur, keep on running Keep on running like the wind the hot sun and the desert seem to be your only friends Keep on running from the cowboy He'll catch you if he can And if the cowboy catches you You'll have to wear his brand. Some call you an outlaw Some say renegade But I know of just one reason for the legend that you gained Many men have tried to catch you But you're still running free And their hearts are filled with envy Because they can never be Silver so spur keep on running Keep on running like the wind Though the hot sun and the desert Seem to be your only friends Keep on running from the cowboy. He'll catch you if he can And if the cowboy catches you You'll have to wear his brand But you look right out in front of you And there a cowboy stands Another one right behind you Has a firebrand in his hand And as the ropes go around you Fight as best you can And hunger for your freedom As they burn you with the brand Silvers burn, no more running No more running like the wind Seems no matter where you go The fences close you in But your freedom you remember Just like a long lost friend Just won't be happy till you're free to run again. Silver spur, you'll go running, you'll go running like the wind out across the desert in the hot sun once again. Though he left his mark upon you, the cowboy didn't win, and you'll celebrate your freedom as you run into the wind. Yes, you'll celebrate your freedom as you run into
0: Mr. Terry Brown to bring us back to Saddle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. And now we welcome to the show our good friend with Backcountry Horseman of America, Mr. Jim McGarvey, and his special guest, Mr. Daryl Wallace. Hey Jim. Hey Gary. Hey, Doug.
6: hey. It's
7: um a good good music beforehand there. That was a good uh good uh the interview you had going and the music, I like that. Thank you. Yes.
0: Well, uh, thanks.
7: We're uh, looking forward here uh, having Daryl on today. Uh, Daryl Wallace um, is the current uh, national chairman of the Backcountry Horsemen of America. I was a few years ago, like 13 and 14 and stuff back then. But uh, uh, you get two terms, two one year. T- you can run uh, one year, then you can run again for a second term. And Daryl's in his first term. Uh, which was uh, voted in last April at our national board meeting in uh, uh, North Carolina, and uh, so in Asheville, and so uh, uh, the first time we ever had—well, it was the second time we had a national meeting uh, uh, east of the Mississippi. <laughs> so uh, uh, it's good, Daryl. Uh, Daryl, glad to have you on. Thanks for for being here. I thought I might give a little bit of background of what I know, you know, just to get started here, but. Um, Daryl, um, is from the state of Washington and, um, uh, Spokane area, if I'm correct there. And, uh, horsemen of America have, uh, are, we are in 32 States, uh, from, if you could do it from this way from Washington to Florida and from California to up to New York state with some skips in the middle. But, uh, uh so we got a pretty good, uh, grouping all around. Uh, majority of our members are out West and, uh, um, the Western group, you know, it's different terrain. Uh, we keep the trails open for uh, for everybody, but the terrain is uh, a good bit rougher, of course, in the West. And uh, and Daryl's in um, uh, in uh, well, he's close. You're close to Idaho, and if you go across the Idaho, you're in Montana. And so, uh, Darryl, uh thanks for being on here today. Appreciate it.
6: And yeah, you bet, Jim.
7: I was wondering, uh, how did you? Um, uh, get involved with the Backcountry Horsemen. Uh, I know here in Georgia we had the Forest Service was going to close some trails and uh, change things, and somebody that rode, rode out in Wyoming every summer, she said, you know, and she on the Backcountry Horsemen, said this is this group that's called the Backcountry Horsemen you might want to get interested in to help keep these trails open, and uh, so here we are. <laughs> and uh, uh, so how did you how did you get involved, or how long you been in it, or how did you get involved
6: with the Backcountry? Well, Jim, back in the mid 90s, um, I was uh, it was living just south of Olympia, Washington, and uh, had just moved to that area. Had trained a couple of foals and was taking them out riding on the trails. And I didn't really know the trails, and I started running into some people who who were real friendly and asked me who I was, what I was doing, and if I'd like to, asked if I'd like to uh, you know follow them and learn some of the trails. and I said, heck yes, yeah. and. Um, Pretty soon they said, well, you know, you ought to join our Backcountry Horseman chapter. And I said, well, uh, what is that anyway? And um, they explained to me uh, about it and said, you know, we have a lot of local rides and we work on safety and leave no trace education. and, And we work on keeping trails open for everybody. And I thought, well, that sounds pretty good. So, um, I joined up, and, and sure enough, I went on a lot of rides with them, and then I started getting involved in doing trail work, and now one thing led to another. I ended up being on the state of Washington's uh, board of directors and uh, for Backcountry Horsemen, and, and uh, lo and behold, ended up uh, being vice president and president, and uh, then I was a director for Backcountry Horsemen of America, and And it just kind of went from there, as you know how it goes sometimes. Yeah. It can be called a
7: slippery slope sometimes, but uh, it's a a fun experience and uh, great folks. I know that um, uh, I tell our folks to carry a little business card or something that says Backcountry Horseman. Or if you see folks, you know, uh, even if you're not even working on the trail, just see some other riders are talking to, uh, to give them the website. And uh, so that, uh, especially if they see you working, to uh, go ahead and join or make a donation or what have you. And uh, so, yeah, to to, uh, keep the trails open, Uh, we do it with pick and shovel and legislatures and letters to Congress. (laughs) So whatever it takes to keep them open. But uh, what? what, uh, I know you've got a pretty good number of chapters uh, uh, in Washington State, one of the bigger numbers. Uh, What? What are the BCA chapters around your area and 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 the whole state? You know, what I mean, is how does that work or how many you got?
6: <laughs> well, yeah, the, uh, we've got 32 chapters across the state of Washington, um, wow. and um, the three, yeah. three of them are right here in kind of the eastern Washington Spokane general area. Um, And uh, so, you know, since I've moved over here to northeast Washington, I've been involved in just one. But uh, uh, these chapters all, you know, they they go back a long time. Washington was one of the original four states that um, signed a a constitution and, and got together back in the late 70s. And, um, so you know it, it did start in the West, of course, in montana and and then the other three states going on. that was Idaho, Washington, and California. And uh, you know it has grown, as you explained uh, tremendously since that time. Just the last few years, we've added a great number of states um, east of the mississippi and finding that you know our mission resonates with people all across this country you know everyone wants to keep these trails open for use but um there's a couple of different types of challenges one is you know basically their nature trees fall down and block trails and horses are not good at climbing over trees um, when they get up about so high so uh, we do trail maintenance a great deal of it but um, we also need to work with the public uh, sometimes they have misconceptions about horses, and we try to educate them on that. And then, of course, we, we also do a lot of advocacy work, as you mentioned, with state legislatures, with uh, public land managers, sometimes with Congress. Um, you know, very anybody that has some influence or control over public lands, we're trying to work with them. And uh, we sometimes work with private landowners, too, to, to help mm-hmm. them protect their lands. Uh, you know, we're very much opposed to littering and trespassing and all those things that, that uh, uh, turn people off. So we're trying to be, you know, good neighbors, good citizens, and and teach people about horses.
7: Well, the um, I know that uh, driving, like if you were to start in Seattle and drive uh, towards the um, to- east, you go through uh, kind of a Great Basin um, flat area, and then you start seeing the mountains in the distance, and I remember uh, doing that, and right as you get near the Idaho border, you know, uh, Gary, you've seen signs. We've all seen signs with a that shows a, a crooked road and says the next two miles, you know, very curvy. Yeah.
3: Well, yeah. There's, a,
7: there's a sign there before, right before you get to Idaho. It's the next next 67 miles. <laughs> 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 kind of <laughs> like the uh, Road Honda. Yeah. Well, you go over the top, and you end up uh, well near missoula but uh yeah it's just uh uh yeah uh gotta be alert and, and uh, awake to do that one but so it's uh um it's a different um like i say it's a different kind of work out there um do you you, you just recently went um uh over into montana or the, the bob marshall did you uh daryl Yeah. I
6: had an opportunity to go on a 10 day pack trip in the Bob Marshall wilderness. And, um, we ended up staying at 11. We caught a lot of fish and uh, we were doing good. Nobody had to be home early. So we just stayed another day, but, uh, that was a tremendous experience. Uh, my friend Bob Gish, uh, made that available to me and, uh, he provided the pack animals. I didn't have any at that time. And boy, I got hooked. I want to tell you that is just beautiful country over there. Yeah. Um, I've, Cindy and I
7: have had the fortune to uh uh their, uh a uh, week out there and um uh yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. And it's the first uh wilderness um in America and um uh so it's kind of an historic place and uh beyond being a, a spectacular place. But um uh, uh and it's there's a lot of work to do out there too. A lot of we uh, did did some trail work and um but yeah, uh, you know, the Bob Marshall to be so close—that's that's really great. Um, well, the uh, uh, what what have you all been doing? Like you know, the, uh, this year uh, with with uh, uh, keeping the trails open for all. I mean, what what spe- kind of specifically would you what are you getting into? Let's say.
6: Well, um, that's a good question. We do a number of things, and sometimes they're kind of complex, but. Uh, let me just give you a a, a little simple number, and, and I'm sorry, it's not just last year; it's the last two years, because we have a a two-year recreational trail program grant that I happen to administer in for the state of Washington, and uh, we keep the, the back of the horsemen there. We um, utilized um, over 150, 000, well, 150,000 dollars of uh, highway department money to do this, and then we matched it, you know, uh, with uh, our own volunteer time, our horses, our uh, mileage, various volunteer donations, uh, where we over doubled that um, in match, they call it. And during that two-year period, um, we maintained over 600 miles of trail trail miles. Now, uh, most of those miles were, um, you know, it was just routine maintenance year to year. We, we have to do it every year because of the trees falling and whatnot, but um, we do mostly log out. You know, we cut the trees out of the trail through hikers, mountain bikers, horses, whoever's legal to go in there. And um, so in one year, it would be about half that, about 300 trail miles. Um, now, some of these are in wilderness where you're not allowed to use chainsaws. Yeah. So we're using frost cuts, uh, misery whips, as they call them sometimes, <laughs> and uh, horses. <laughs> It goes slower, but uh, we have some of the most dedicated volunteers in the world doing this. Uh, we, we use our pack animals, of course, to haul those tools in so we can go in farther, stay longer, and get more done. And um, I'm always telling our partner organizations that do trail work, most of them hike in, and I say, Hey, why don't you talk to us, and we'll schedule to, to pack your tools and heavy yeah. stuff in for you. Because when you get there to start working on a trail, I want you full of energy, not tired from having to walk hike oh, up out. there, okay,
3: yeah,
7: yeah, yeah, we've done that uh it was, it was mountain bikers packing in their chainsaws and uh and what have you uh, uh you have a pretty good relationship here in the south uh with with the mountain bikers. I can't say that for all places uh California have kind of a lot of friction. How is it with the mountain bikers and, and the horsemen in, in your area?
6: Well, um, I think we have a real good partnership with them. Um, uh, the Evergreen uh, Mountain Bike Association is in, the, based out of Seattle. is well organized. Um, they're interested in clearing trails just like we are. Um, they're respectful of wilderness rules where they're not permitted to use those. But, uh, gosh, we've partnered up with them. Um, we're trying to work together as much as we can. And, and it underscores a point that one of my colleagues, a guy by the name of Jeff Chapman, he's a county assessor, so I have to mention his name. He might have to go up for election one of these days. But <laughs> Jeff, Jeff has pointed out for years that we will always, as recreationalists, get more support, more funding, everything, if we go together than if we divide. And mm-hmm. he is so right about that. Oh, good,
7: yeah. Well, Jeff Chapman, of course, yes, Jeff, yes. <laughs> Uh, Well,
0: we talked with you, Darrell, last year we had you on the show. Uh, I don't know if you remember or not, but we were were privileged to have you be with us last year. And um, I know one of the things that Jim promised to ask you about then, when you came back this year, was to find out what was it like being chairman of Backcountry Horsemen of America this year, And what has Backcountry Horsemen as a national organization accomplished?
6: Ah, well, uh, (laughs) the first one's a real (laughs) uh, zinger of a question, Gary. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It it occupies a lot more of my time than I really even expected. I knew it would take a lot of time. I guess I didn't realize just how much. Um, There's always something going on, Um, some uh, thing, either administrative or an advocacy issue or something. And um, fortunately, I had a, a over 30-year career with the state of Washington. And as a manager, I, I was able to get some training on how to manage things and, and plan. And so we've been using some of those things. Um, I've got a, a great group of officers, um, uh, Sherry Copeland from Missouri. She's the mm-hmm. vice chair. Um, sharp as heck uh, An accountant by training and uh, Boy, that's helpful, I want to tell you uh, Mark Himmels, contractor from Montana He's our treasurer And uh, just mm-hmm. a fine mind
3: um, oh, yes. Freddie
6: Dunn, my predecessor from uh, Utah uh, She's you know kind of helping uh, me figure out How things really go sometimes So as a team uh, Plus the whole executive committee You remember that, Jim? Uh, we've been yes. working pretty hard together But um, you ask about what we accomplished. Well, uh, we put out a a kind of a end of the year letter, an an email actually, uh, because it's cheap (laughs) this year. And um, I would just like to tick off a few things from there. Um, It's available out there on our bcha.org website if anybody cares. But uh, we sent this to all of our members that we have email addresses for. Um, We raised... As volunteers, these people not only put in sweat equity, they helped us raise more than $50,000 since last April. Um, they've been working on advocacy partners, corporate partners, everybody, and um, and doing these things. Now, getting right down to, so what did we do about keeping pack and saddle stock trails open and, and for everybody? Well, um, one of them, we had to kind of take the Forest Service on, down at the Tahoe National Forest in in California, Uh, they wanted to break their own rules and allow electric bike use on over 130 miles of motorized trails. And uh, we said, wait a minute, a motor is a motor, whether it's electric or gasoline or diesel or what. So we we called them on that, and and we're in the process of settling that uh, lawsuit and getting past that uh, unpleasantness, you know. Uh, we want to uh, be friends with the Forest Service and support them and help them, and I think this was just a, a little local error somebody made that we're trying to fix up. We, um, we also worked very hard to uh, advocate with Congress to permanently reauthorize the Land and Water Conservation Fund. Um, that fund uh, supports local parks, trails, and uh, acquires land for the federal government and, and well, one thing that, that some of those lands filled in gaps in both the Pacific Crest Trail and the Continental Divide National Scenic Trails. So mm-hmm. these are real important things to people. That these are showcase trails yeah. that, that serve our nation on both ends of it. And um, when they have to get a little money to, to buy some lands to fill in the gaps, why that's one way. Um, we had our uh, our director Randy Rasmussen, you remember him, Jim? Oh, yeah, um, he directed director of public lands and recreation he's been working with all of our partners hiking bicycling motorcycling all other organizations like i said we all want to work together for recreational use and um you know we we uh, wanted to you know lobby congress a little bit try to get them to make sure they fund the forest service adequately um and and actually we were successful in talking them into increasing about a million dollars to their trails budget. Um, that oh, was really great. important because they have mm-hmm. a huge maintenance backlog on trails in the national forests. That's also true in the national parks, but because they are in two different agencies, departments, you know, agriculture is a forest service, but interior has park service. why uh, they see, keep thinking about funding for the interior department, but then they don't add the forest service. So we've been also working on them to uh, make a little amendment in their funding bills to include the Forest Service backlog of trail maintenance in that. And uh, that's real important because I think probably more of our members are riding on national forests than they are on national parks or, or any other ownership. Um, right. Internally, um, we, uh, we put together for the first time in our 40 year history, um, our education committee put together a uh, curriculum of information and teaching resources. We got a bunch of this stuff up on the website. We got these webinars. Um, I know as horsemen mm-hmm. it's hard for us sometimes to catch up to this uh, 21st century and all, but uh, we're doubling we're, <laughs> we're as fast as we can and trying to get there. Um, I you know, you know, I gotta uh, brag a little bit too. We have a grant committee, um, standing committee, and it uh, disseminates money to chapters and states.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
6: this in April, we awarded more than seven thousand dollars to thirteen states and chapters across the country, both east and west of the Mississippi, uh, to carry out our mission. And a lot of that had to do with trail clearing. So uh, that was doing. Some of them were education too, which is just right. as important. People in this day and age don't always know about horses. And uh, we we have to teach them a certain amount so they understand the differences between horses and and other uh, wildlife. So, uh, And then finally, you know, we we worry a great deal about the next generations to come. We want our grandkids, great-grandkids, et cetera, to have the experience of riding trails. And we think they're going to have to ride on public lands to be able to do that. There's just not that much private land available to ride on anymore. So we established a legacy fund. And we have, to date, collected more than $85,000 in this fund. And we aren't going to spend it until it reaches a half a million dollars. We're going to invest it. We're going to uh, let it build up. And then we're just going to live on. I say live on. We're going to utilize the gains uh, on that fund, so that we're always keeping the the base capital and trying to make sure that that we have this established fund that's going to help work on keeping trails open for a very very long time.
7: So, well, you know, yeah, you know, Daryl, uh, I'm on the Legacy Fund Committee, and we're having our conference call tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern. <laughs> so, uh, um, that yeah, it's 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 it's, uh, it's gone really nicely. Um, and the, the, a good, lot, of, lot of support from our membership, and we need to work on getting uh, some money from outside the membership, you know, and uh, we'll be working on that. And, but you made a, a, a comment earlier how much uh, the workload is of being chairman, and, and, um, and you gave a good example of all the stuff going on. But I remember what struck me uh, as being chairman was that um, <clears throat> let's say if you're, if you're in a business environment, you say, Johnny, go file that file. And Johnny goes and files the file. But with a nonprofit, you've you got to have a committee, it seems, to decide whether we should file the file in the first place and whether Johnny's <laughs> the right one to file it. <laughs> and, and a lot of discussion and you know going on and on. But it's just kind of funny how in business you say, oh, go, just do it. And here it's got to you know get everybody agreeing to it. And, and uh, nobody's vindictive. It's just uh, kind of the funny way it works. And uh, so it does take longer. And uh, I know you've been through those meetings uh, for sure. <laughs> um, you know, well,
6: Jim, that's a good point, but but let's add another dimension to it. Not only are these volunteers that, that can just tell me heck with it, I don't agree, I'm not going to do it, but remember, these are horsemen. You get five horsemen on a committee, <laughs> you can get six or 16 opinions real easy. Oh, <laughs> that, oh for sure, yes. Yeah. And And with horsemen, it's, my way
7: is, the way I do it is the best way to saddle. You you do it all wrong. And, may, and
6: <laughs> yeah. probably the only way, right? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah.
7: So, yeah, yep. oh, golly. Yeah, the horseman, geez, it's a tough crowd. Uh, all well-meaning, but a tough crowd, geez, sometimes. But uh, I think well, I think that help, helps us get our job done and reach our goal. You know, there's a certain toughness or stick-to-itiveness that, uh, that makes us successful. Geez. <laughs> um, well, the... Um, it was well and you mentioned Randy Randy's going to be on next month's show and uh yeah yeah tell us tell us about what he'll be telling us what's going on in the public lands and and his advocacy work and and that cuz that's always changing and uh but um what uh you know uh what are the you mentioned some of the challenges are there any specific challenges kind of looming or uh anything the forest service is planning to close sections of the trails or parts or any Anything on the horizon that's looking pretty ominous uh, with public lands people?
6: Well, um, yeah, we got a couple of them. Uh, one that's starting out here in the central Oregon in the Cascade Mountains. Um, there's a couple of wildernesses there, um, the, the Three Sisters and another one. It uh, oh. they are they have gotten too popular. They're way too close to big population centers, Portland, <clears throat> Eugene, and Willamette Valley. And so we've got all the various kinds of use, all right? Um, you've got mountain climbers, rock climbers, hikers, uh, you know, etc. And then you've got the, the stock users. Now, it's a beautiful place, and uh, it's one of the few areas around that whole area that um you can actually go in there with your pack animal you can ride you can camp you can ride some more you can camp and you can circle around back and come back after three days and and just a beautiful camp trip Mm -hmm. but now the forest service has admitted um with all this increased use that's causing some problems it's getting crowded in there it doesn't act like a wilderness with all those people but the, the Stock use hasn't increased. It's only about 1% of the total use. That's the same as what it's been for years. So they've institu- they're they working on a, a limited entry permit system, and um, they're going to charge a fee to, to get a, apply for a permit, get a permit, and then be able to go, and they're going to be limited. It's going to be kind of, um, I guess, a, a lottery. And we're just afraid that that's going to end up cutting stock use even more. Um, as you know, Jim, there are extra logistics that come with loading up your stock, your gear, and, and driving and hauling that trailer full of stock down there to that trailhead, um, only sometimes to find no room to park a trailer, uh, and oops, no, no permits, uh, gee, I guess i got to turn around and drive a couple hundred miles back home or yeah. some other place to ride, and, and we're not real happy with the direction they're going, we're trying to talk them into something a little more reasonable, um, and, and work with them, but we haven't come to a solution yet. Um, now, the, the electric bikes are another issue. Um, we we are not opposed to electric bikes. First of all, there are a lot more non I, I mean motorized uh, miles of trail where they are allowed. Definitely, anyway, we're, we have no opposition to that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the non motorized we're a little bit cautious about. Um, As you know, Jim, and and Gary, you probably do too, you're riding a a 1,200-pound horse down the trail. They're a prey animal. They're afraid of certain things that they're not familiar with. And all of a sudden, this silent machine with somebody on it that they don't even recognize as a human comes sneaking up on them or maybe worse, comes roaring down the hill at them, and they might panic and you might go sailing, Uh, what we call an unplanned dismount. Um, and there are certain <laughs> terms um it is dangerous um and so now mind you you know Jim you mentioned earlier about the the Columbia basin and the central part of Washington we we call that sagebrush riding okay now you okay. know what you you could put electronic electric bikes in there all day as long as they keep the speed reasonably down some of them could go 30 40 miles an hour now you know but if they'll keep the speed down a little bit, hey, fine, we see them coming, we can ride off, no big deal. It's not thick, it's it's easy to see, and it's easy to get off the trail, let them go by. But in the thicker areas, the places where the brush is thick, the timber is thick, you can't see, all of a sudden, here's that electric bike in the horse's face or the mule, and there's going to be trouble. It's a safety issue. So... What we are asking is that the Forest Service, the Park Service, everybody, don't just automatically say, oh, okay, I guess e-bikes are all right. It's not really a motor, like the secretary said. Um, But rather look at each trail and say, is it safe or isn't it safe? If it's safe, okay, fine. Mark the trail and indicate it, and we can work with that. Uh, But if if it's not safe, don't you think safety ought to be kind of an important priority there? Um, so that's what we're trying to do is just work on that. Uh, but um, we have other challenges. Um, you know, we're horsemen and, and uh, communications is not one of our strengths, um, either internally or externally. Uh, so one of the things I'm working on a great deal is trying to improve our communications. We're trying to, to make sure we have email addresses correctly. Uh, boy, you you probably can imagine how easy it is to just make one typo on an email address and, oh, you ain't getting anything to that person.
3: Right.
6: Yeah. Right. You're ignoring me. There's another bigger issue that's outside, external to our organization. And Jim, you, you already touched on it for me. Um, And that is the thousands, if not millions of horse owners and horse riders who really have not connected the backcountry horsemen, with keeping trails open for them to use. Mm -hmm. We are an advocacy organization, and so we really need to educate more of those people who have never heard of us, or if they heard of us, they may have misimpressions from what it was 40 years ago or something, I don't know, and, and explain to them that we are the only trail organization out there that is working directly for them as stock users that's that's our thing that's our mission and um so we encourage those folks to join us um, you know uh, we can use your numbers we can and we're trying to build our capacity to do that advocacy outreach we're going to take a quick break we're
0: going to come back and talk more with uh with daryl and with jim mcgarvey today on saddle up america We'll be right back after we listen to this from Mr. Ryan Fritz.
8: Day's work is done with a drop of the sun. It's just the cowboy way. Saddles pulled and gates get thrown the cavy's on its way And they graze in time with their herd in mind But their eyes are on the gate The lead mare gives a signal Tonight they're gonna break Runaway Remuda. Cowboys sleep tonight, run away and beneath that crescent moonlight. For a while a free wind will flow right through you while you run. In this country you had rode While the cowboy held the reins In pursuit of that wild cow brood The Lord knows you'd love to chase Beneath that silken hide Lies your God-given right And those who's are born to raise Run away, Ramuda or sleep
3: tonight.
8: Run away, up beneath that crescent moonlight. For a while, a free wind will flow right through you. But you run away. Cowboys sleep
3: tonight
8: Runaway, Ramuda Beneath the crescent moonlight For a while the free wind will flow right through ya, But you run, run away, Ramuda
0: good cowboy friends from Canada, Mr. Ryan Fritz, with his great song, Runaway Remuda. And we're back on Saddle Up America with Mr. Jim McGarvey, who is the past national chairman of Backcountry Horsemen of America, and Daryl Wallace, who is the current national chairman of Backcountry Horsemen of America. And we're talking a little bit about the partnership that maybe we should have with uh, other Trail users out there So how is that How is that going Daryl is that working pretty well now Everybody on board together I,
6: I think so I mean things can always be better But um, you know um, Next week coincidentally um, I'm Randy Rasmussen We met before And uh, and I are both given, going to Washington D.C. For what they call Hike the Hill uh, oh, yeah. Specifically for the uh, trail user Community uh, the American Hiking Council, the uh, American Horse Council, the, uh, all these organizations are going to be there, uh, Pacific Crest Trail Association, Fort Pacific Northwest Trail uh, Association. Um, there I can't even think count all the partners are going to be there. And we'll be meeting with everybody from uh, congressional representatives to uh, other partners to Forest Service, national parks, Um, various public land managers and just you know discussing the issues and trying to work together better Um, and and many times it's eye-opening because we learn uh, the other fellows point of view and and sort of you know move in directions that well I hadn't really been thinking about that but you know you're right that's something we need to support you on and and uh, we appreciate you supporting us on this other little aspect that applies to us um, it's it's really been uh, very gratifying. Um, one of the other things I, I forgot to mention earlier, the Backcountry Horseman has its one of its business plan and strategic plan to, to reach out more to youth. Um, we uh, you know we are a graying organization, and and shoot, uh, there are lots of young people who are interested in horses, and uh, we need to do more reaching out on that. I've been just excited hearing about some things, and Montana, a number of their chapters are involved directly with various youth groups, um, everything from 4-H to the Boy Scouts. Um, some of that has taken place in my own state in Washington here, California's doing some of that, and we haven't even begun to, to survey the other states to find out what all everybody's doing. I know uh, some years back when we went down there and uh, visited uh, Jim McGarvey's ranch, why Uh, he had a youth group come up and, uh, you know, was showing us their, their stuff. And, um, guys, that's, that's so important. Um, you know, there's a a no child left inside movement, uh, because so many Uh, of our young people are staying indoors. They're playing with the the cell phones, the game boys and, and all that. Um, and they're not getting the benefit of learning about outdoor recreation. And, uh, so we're trying to take a lot of people, including some inner youth, I guess if you can call them that, um, and uh, and just expose them to outdoors and, and show them what it's like to go on a, a little ride and, and see the scenery and the sights from from a saddle. You know where you're, you know about 15 hands up in the air. You get a little different uh, perspective on everything, and and boy, you know it's been very few young people that we took out right and it didn't just get all excited and say, I want to do more of this. And so yeah. um, we're trying to work more on that part, but um, yeah, it's, those partnerships are so important. Um, and uh, like I said, we're trying to reach out more and more. Uh, we have a number of uh, organizations. Uh, we have a one committee that's the public liaison committee. They are charged with, uh, continuing to research and look out there, look out for other organizations with whom we should be partnering. And uh, they've been uh, instrumental recently in developing a memorandum of understanding with the Corps of Engineers. You say, Corps of Engineers, what are you, taking a bridge or a dance somewhere? No, they control a lot of they land control. where we yeah. go, go riding, And they're, they're, they want to partner with us. They're, they're great to work with. So we're working on that and, and various other partnerships.
0: Well, one of the things that I'd like to do right now is just take a moment. We've got folks that are listening all across the country, uh, as well as the foreign countries that are listening to us. But if you are a horse person, and if you are not involved with Backcountry Horsemen of America, you need to find a local chapter or just go ahead and join the national chapter and find a local chapter. And, uh, and there are chapters in almost every state today, but you need to get involved. If you enjoy getting out on the trails and you enjoy being able to ride on this land that we call America, you need to get involved and become involved. we we'll leave no trace behind and help to keep these trails open because it doesn't happen by itself. And uh, that website is what, bcha.org? Yes,
7: sir. Yes, sir. Yes, and you could, there's also a, a, a place to type in your zip code uh, to go find the local nearest chapter near you and how to contact them.
0: So. All right, so th- that's something that that if you're listening, if you if you enjoy riding the trails, if if you're out of the arena and enjoy riding the trails, you need to get involved with Backcountry Horsemen of America. They are your voice with all of the other trail users and keeping these trails open. And uh, I think you said, Daryl, that we, we have about 1% of the use of the trails right now.
6: Well, that's just in that one wilderness area. I, I don't know of any accurate statistics about what our use is, um, but I know that uh, with with our membership, un, just under 10,000 members of Back Under Horsemen of America, um, there's a whole lot more horse riders than that A
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whole, lot, whole lot more horse riders yes. than that I know a lot of those folks are listening to the show right now So bcha.org You can plug your zip code in at their website And find a local chapter near you And get involved And uh, do your part to keep these trails open Jim uh, Good to have you back with us this month oh, Thank you Thank you, Daryl. Good to have you back with us this year and uh, great, great to find out what you're learning in your first year as BCHA chairman. So there's a whole lot to it, a lot of time, but we appreciate your efforts in doing that. So anyway, you guys have been absolutely great today. We appreciate you being on the show. And uh, for the folks that are listening out there, bcha.org is the website. You can find out different programs that are going on and and activities and locations in your state where you can become involved. But uh, right now, we want to thank you for listening to the show. And uh, tune in next Thursday for the Campfire Cafe beginning at noon, followed by Saddle Up America immediately after. And we'll have more great guests and more great horse conversation on the Campfire Cafe and Saddle of America on Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. We're going to close out the show today with a great song from Miss Kristen Harris. It's one from her new CD called Wildfire. And we'll see you on the radio next week at equestrianlegacy.net. <laughs>